Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com If I told you that there was a project before the county that's already had 10 public hearings and that the County Planning Commission spent five hours in one of those meetings, you'd wonder what winery project or development they might be talking about. After all, even Napa Pipe didn't have that much scrutiny in over 10 years. Yet Sire Industries, which seeks to expand its operations, which have been part of the county for almost 30 years, has been facing unparalleled headwinds in their effort. In watching this story unfold, I think it was long past due for Sire to be given an opportunity to respond to so much of the criticism and misinformation that has been leveled against it and to present in an unfiltered way what their plans and history are. We're going to talk about that today with three folks that have been kind enough to join us from Sire. I'm joined by John Perry, who's the Vice President of Engineering, by Tom Adams, who's an outside land counsel for Sire, and by Jennifer Gomez, who is the Permits Manager at Sire. Jennifer, Tom, John, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate it. I want to start, Jennifer, with you a little bit and talk a little bit about how long Sire has been around and a little bit about uh, a little bit about the history of the company, what it does. As, as we were talking before we went on the air, there are so many people that, that I know, and I'm sure you've all encountered the same thing, that have driven past it every day, twice a day for five years, 10 years, 15 years, that have no idea what goes on there. Well, we can actually start back a little bit further than that. In the, in the 1870s is when this quarry first began, when they built the state hospital. Um, over time, Napa has been built on this rock. Since the state hospital started, the whole town used it one way or another, the roads, the buildings, the construction, everything. Um, Basalt Rock Company was kind of the first company that started really mass producing the rock in a way that um, was economically feasible and actually um, put it on the map, so to speak. Um, in 1986, I believe, John, yes. um, mm-hmm. Sire bought Basalk Rock Company and um, really kind of took it to the next level, made it modernize it, all that. John John actually is very good at the history, so I'm going to leave it to well, him. Well, John, talk a little bit about the history because... Sire had existed in a number of other areas in the community before Napa. Napa, they they came into when they bought the basalt rock property. Mm -hmm. Sire had operations, Jeff, in in, uh, several other counties at the time. Uh, They ran a rock quarry down in the Vallejo area, and they uh, uh, had a a sand and gravel operation up on Cache Creek in Madison, California. Uh, They had been heavy in the construction business, and actually in competition with the base rock, Basalt Rock Company, uh, who had a construction division also. Uh, the two companies were in competition with one another. So uh, in, uh, as uh, Jennifer mentioned, in 1986, when, ba- uh, when Sire Industries purchased the, uh, the uh, rock, sand, and gravel assets of uh, Basalt Rock Company, they then uh, had operations here in Napa and over, also over on the Russian River in Healdsburg. They, they, uh, after that, they, uh, they were able to purchase, in the, uh, in the 1990s, they purchased uh, uh, the Piscini property up in, um, uh, on the east side of the Napa Quarry, but they also had purchased uh, a, a, a 182 acres 
uh, of land just north of the quarry that was previously leased by Basalt Rock Company and Sire Industries uh, from the state of California and, and where two quarry operations were held. The, the, uh, these were the areas where early, early on they, they, they quarried the rock that was used to build the castle that became known as the, the, uh, the Napa Asylum or the Napa State Hospital. Mm-hmm. Talk about the nexus, John, between the quarry, what's produced there, and construction. I mean, there is this direct connection between construction of roads, of buildings. Mm-hmm. Why is it so important that this stuff be brought out of the ground in order to make all these other things possible? That, that's a good question because uh, a lot of people don't understand that uh, that are concerned about our operations. They don't realize that the, that the rock that we produce at this location is something that is used uh, in their everyday lives. It's it's used as road base material underneath the the roadways and and uh, on highways and the freeways. It's also uh, used to make concrete uh, 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 that we all use for our sidewalks and and uh, you know, curb and gutter and everything else, uh, along with the asphalt that's paving um, most all the roads here in, in Napa County. Uh, this material comes from this quarry. This county gets ma- a majority of its rock from the, the, uh, the Sire Quarry here in Napa. How much of what comes out of the quarry is used in Napa County and how much of it is sent elsewhere, roughly? Um, I can answer that. Um, about 80 percent, it fluctuates year to year, but the last three years it's been about 87 um, percent last year, 80 the year before. And then some of it was shipped to use with a Jameson Canyon project in uh, 2013. So, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's very heavy. Uh, you don't want to truck it too far because a lot of times, um, the longer the truck, the, the trucking that, uh, the longer you go, the more it costs, and actually, in some instances, um, trucking is more than actual rock. Um, so it's, you got to keep around, I don't know, 25 is probably mm-hmm. ideal miles from the quarry. So most of the stuff that, that is from both the Sire Quarry and Lake Herman and the, uh, some of the others really are being used mostly here in the Bay Area. Yes, and, and mainly those two quarries, mainly in the North Bay Area. Once you start getting past, oh, a Fairfield Vacaville, then the quarries that are up in the Sacramento area start taking over. There's a, you know, th- these circles you can draw around any quarry, as, as Jennifer said, around 25 to 30 miles. That's where those overlaps occur, and that's where the competition really mm-hmm. starts hitting. Talk a little bit now about the process. What goes on in these quarries? How is the rock extracted? What does that give, give us a sense of what that's like? In uh, in the quarries that we had, the quarry where we are right now, it's uh, most of the areas that has already been opened up. Uh, when we go into an air, a new area, uh, the process is to go up on top with bulldozers and rippers, and and uh, remove the the overburden material or the topsoil and overburden material that uh, is is in place. The things that can, materials that cannot be used uh, uh, all that that much as far as quality mineral aggregate. Uh, once we have removed the, uh, that overburdened material, the rock that we uh, have at this quarry is so hard that uh, we have to start uh, removing it through blasting. And the process there is you, you go through and you drill a pattern of holes in the rock 
and then you, uh, uh, you, you put in the uh, emulsion that's used for the blasting, and uh, you, you blast the rock into uh, smaller pieces. They're still large. Once, once those pieces are, are dislodged from the, from the rock deposit, then you haul that down to a crusher, and the crusher then starts making big rocks into smaller rocks that are then screened and, and, uh, and processed so that you can sell the different sizes of rock that are required by the state of California, the county, the city, and all those who uh, purchase our, our materials. In all these years that you've been doing this, has there ever been a problem in terms of something that went wrong there, something the county had to get involved in, some kind of problem that really required some kind of intervention? Well, I think, you know, one of the things, uh, this is Tom Adams, um, one of the things that um, we talk, try to talk to the county about and the public during the public comment periods and the um, public hearings is the fact that SIRE does have a very solid uh, history of, of compliance. And so we have no um, enforcement actions that have been brought against us by either the county or state agencies. Um, so, you know, SIRE really uh, prides itself in operating in an environmentally responsible manner and has a long history of being a good neighbor and a responsible corporate citizen in the community. And in fact, SIRE has recently, as kind of um, human resource uh, concepts evolve, have started to create incentive programs for their bonuses for their employees. First, it started out with safety, ensuring that workers were cognizant of safety issues, but now it's evolved to the point where part of people's job descriptions are really environmental compliance because it's such a huge component of what SIRE does, mm -hmm. given that it's a highly regulated industry. Talk about, any of you, how this has changed over the years. I mean, we, we talked at the outset that, that this has been going on, you know, roughly 30 years in, t in terms of the Napa Quarry. How the, the changes in the environmental regulations, and they've been substantial over 30 years, how that's impacted on what you do and how you do it? You know, that's 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 a very interesting uh, question because uh, oh, I've, I've been able to watch this occur having been with SIRE for, uh, since 1987. Uh, I've been able to see all of these things taking place. Uh, it used to be in the in the good old days, you might say, that, that uh, the, they would just go out there and blast the rock and haul it away to the crushers and everything else and, and really didn't care about anything else but production. Uh, once these environmental laws started changing, uh, the, the whole uh, uh, philosophy of the, um, uh, the management and the employees has started to change. Water quality, we have uh, stormwater runoff uh, regulations that we have to follow. Uh, initially, well, why do we have to put those hay bales out there? Why do we have to cover up exposed dirt, dirt surfaces? You know, that wasn't even thought of before. Now, you, you come September, every year, the employees, the management, they all put their minds in gear to, to start uh, uh, in, installing the best management practices that are required for stormwater. Air quality, the same thing. Who would have thought that you would have uh, you know, the uh, emulsions that you can put down on a road to, to help uh, pre you know, prevent the dust from going up the air from trucks driving on dirt roads, uh, having to pave uh, certain areas of a quarry that historically had been uh, dirt, uh, and uh, having a, uh, Sarah recently bought a $250,000 street sweeper 
to sweep and, and suck up and vacuum uh, the asphalt surfaces. You know, none of these things would have been thought of you know, 30 years ago, like you say, Jeff. To put it into perspective, the permit that we're working off of right now from it started in the 70s and then there was added on to in the 80s is about three pages long. Um, our EIR document <laughs> alone is 2,700 pages, and we've already kind of seen drafts of what the conditions and mitigations and the monitoring our permit will include, and it's in the hundreds of pages. So um, really, our jobs are going to get all really busy really fast. <laughs> And, and it's safe to say, I mean, just to p continue to put that in perspective, that all the work that you're doing out there is a lot safer and more healthful today than it was 30 years ago. Exactly. And and, and something, too, that, uh, that, as Jennifer mentioned, our lives are going to get busier because we have to do monitoring all year round on these, on these different issues, noise, dust, water, everything else. And because of that, we uh, 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 we have to then report to the county, and then they have to review those reports. So, things that th these regulations require the monitoring and reporting that were nev was never done before either. And the thing is, our operation is not changing. It's just this is what it takes to get a new permit in this day and age. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're really um, the footprint of where we want to go is enlarging a little bit but other than that our, our operation is demand only so we don't make extra rock just for the fun of it when we get orders that's when they do the blasting John was describing well the on-demand thing is interesting because one of the things that's come up I know in one of the many 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 public hearings is it, it's not needed and there's not a demand for it and why would you be doing this and but in fact it, it is an on-demand business that's correct uh, it doesn't make sense to spend money to make something uh, if you don't you don't have a, uh, have somebody there to purchase it. Uh, people think that because we're getting asking for 1.3 million tons per year to be able to produce, that we're all of a sudden going to move from 800,000 tons to to 1.3 because we can. That's not the if the market isn't there. We, we could stay down at 500,000 tons for years. How much were you producing during the recession in 2008-2009, roughly? Um, about 960,000 one year and um, probably in the 800,000s. Um, and that's the thing um, people don't understand about our, our current permit. We do not have a maximum sales amount. We can produce 5 million if we wanted to today. Um, it just... It doesn't happen because that's not the demand in the area. And um, the 1.3 million, they're going to put a cap on us. But really, do we ever think we're going to get there? I don't know. For 35 years from now, maybe. But uh, once or twice because of an issue or a big, huge project um, with Measure T coming up and, and Vision 2040 and the different things going on in the county, there will be an increase in Napa Pipe. Mm-hmm. Are you working now? I mean, there's the 680 uh, interchange, which is probably the mm -hmm. biggest project in the area right now. Yes, and, and the majority of that material is coming from our Lake Herman quarry, as we said, because of the, mm -hmm. the radius away from the, the, this facility. And, and we all know that there's some certain traffic problems in the, in the, during the high peak hours of traffic uh, in the morning and evenings. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we're involved, uh, we try to be involved in, in anything that's economically feasible from this, from this facility. Tom, talk a little bit about what this process has been like. I mean, I, I was 
joking about it, sort of half-joking in the introduction. There's been 10 public hearings so yeah. far. There's an 11th public hearing coming up. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it'll be the last one on the 21st. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what this has been like relative to, to other land use issues that, that you've dealt with and that uh, this has been pretty excessive in so many ways. Yeah, it has. It's been a very exhaustive process in many respects. Um, as you stated, 10 public hearings, um, a process that began with an official application being determined complete in 2008. And so we're seven years into this process. And, um, you know, most of the land use type issues in Napa County revolve around the wine industry. And uh, lately that's become somewhat controversial. But to put this into perspective, you know, this is so different than the typical winery project or vineyard project. And that, as John and Jennifer were saying, it's a product that is, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity. Um, There are studies that have been done for the Bay Area, specifically the North Bay region that includes Napa, that looked at 50 years of aggregate demand per person per year. And in order to support our quality of life, our infrastructure, this is our roads, our bridges, including the bridges that allow us to travel across the bay, um, our uh, flood control projects, our hospitals, our schools, um, over 50 years, the average is 8.9 tons per person per year of aggregate is used to support our current economy. Um, it's it's, It's a boggling number to some people, and we've heard people criticize that. But, you know, that goes to the heart of why this is sort of a unique project that really um, is more about uh, public policy than really a sire business model. Is it fair to say, and you've been, I assume you've been at most of these public hearings, if not all of them, that a lot of the objection has less to do with sire and the work that it does and as much to do with people's attitude towards roads and infrastructure and traffic and all the other things that are the subsidiary issues of it. Yeah, I think that's an accurate description. When we listen closely to most of the complaints, you have basically two categories. You have some people that are raising legitimate concerns that um, have been addressed in the environmental document, and they deserve to be addressed, and they have been. In fact, they've been studied exhaustively um, time and time again. Uh, but then you have the kind of the not in my backyarders that recognize that maybe aggregate is necessary, but would like society to change and have a different vision of society where it may be in their minds we don't need roads, um, or they wish not to recognize the necessity of aggregate as part of our daily life and our daily economy. And so you, uh, a typical example is someone who really has some s- sincere environmental beliefs, and they'll stand up and complain about the uh, climate change impacts of the project. Because any project that involves motor vehicles, um, you know, you're going to have exhausts and you're going to have greenhouse gas emissions. But when you take a step back, and this goes to the policy implications of this project, you really understand that Yes, there are some minor emissions associated with this project, but in the big picture, if we don't have this project, we're really significantly, um, you know, uh, I don't know how many times over, increasing the number of vehicle miles traveled when you have to import aggregate from outside the county. And we know that vehicle miles traveled is the number one source of greenhouse gas emissions in Napa County and the state of California. And so... 
it kind of you get into that dichotomy where yes, there are some isolated local impacts that are exhaustively studied and mitigated mm-hmm. uh, compared to kind of the bigger policy issue um, related to what do we need to do, what decisions does our community need to make to be a responsible member of uh, global society that's addressing climate change. And this project would be a key component of any climate action plan. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about something Jennifer mentioned earlier, that there is no cap currently at all, and that if, if the quarry was ca- the, the current footprint of the quarry was able to yeah. produce it, you could produce a whole lot more. Yeah, so when you look at the current permit, like uh, Jennifer and John were saying, mm-hmm. it's, um, it ha- it's old. It's like driving your grandmother's 1973 Buick station wagon. Um, you can have fun driving it, but it uses a lot of gas, and uh, it it's doesn't have all the amenities and the bells and whistles as a modern Prius. So um, what I'm trying to get to is that it's an old permit that allows for approximately 500 plus or minus acres to be mined as Sire deems fit. And that would mean potentially mining below the regional groundwater table, which is a major issue in the the uh, environmental analysis that looked at the new permit that would restrict that and prevent Sire from doing it. Right now, they could continue to do that. Why they have chosen not to is, one, they relied on the um, new permit as providing a more reasonable source of high-quality aggregate by expanding to the east away from the major population centers in Napa and providing them with more readily available access to high-quality basalt as opposed to starting to mine down below the regional groundwater table, which uh, isn't necessarily the most environmentally responsible thing for them to do, and they've chosen not to do so. Um, So the new permit really is something that uh, was a quid pro quo. They submitted the application knowing that they were going to subject themselves to numerous additional oversights and environmental mitigation measures. It was never there previously. It was never there previously. It's not there today. Um, In exchange for the ability to have access to more aggregate that will be used locally by our local economy, and specifically um, for Measure T Mm -hmm. and Vision 2040 road improvement projects that we know if you drive on the roads in Napa County, you know we desperately need. Right. Talk a little bit um, about how much more land we're talking about. I don't know. Do you you want to talk about that, Tom? How much bigger footprint is this all about? Right now, uh, I'll I'll go back to the start. Initially, we asked for uh, approximately about 290 acres of expansion when we first applied for this permit. So that's almost 50% more than than the current Mm -hmm. quarry. Yes. Uh, During the environmental process of, of creating the environmental impact report, a lot of studies were done on uh, aesthetics, on uh, air, water, everything else. And, and due to that, we, the project was modified to the point that, that uh, we, in, we left behind areas that would help shield the visual, impa- uh, visual impacts of the quarry. We raised the elevations of the quarry to to uh, uh, minimize the, uh, the extent of how close we could get to the groundwater. A uh, lot of different things were, were changed. And so we went from that 290 acre of expansion to approximately 124 acres of expansion. Um, uh, this, uh, uh, this part of it then uh, would allow us to expand into an area that 
uh, has the uh, the very necessary basalt rock that uh, we you use for all the high end products like asphalt and concrete. Uh, we have done ge geological studies in the quarry. We've done geotechnical studies and geophysical studies to determine where the, this basaltic material is and found that it was on the Piscini property was like the last remaining area that had the quality basalt material. The rest of the quarry has, has good rock for riprap and base materials and things like that, but the high-end stuff for use for concrete and asphalt comes in that, uh, in that, uh, the, the, on the Piscini property with the basalt rock. Uh, we uh, then started uh, you know, investigating that and found that this was the place we, we had to go and so we've developed a plan, a mining plan that would, would allow us to go in there. Uh, because of some of the concerns of the community, uh, we reduced the size uh, of that uh, operation. Um, number one, up on the northern end of, of the, uh, the permitted, the, the, the proposed area for mining, uh, uh, we found that uh, uh, early on that there was trails from Skyline Park that existed on our property. Well, uh, because of some of the concerns of the Skyline Park people, we then uh, gave up 10 acres of land up in the northern end. But those trails existed on your pro on the Sire property. Yes, they were on Sire property, and there's still trails meandering back and forth across that property line right now. Well, we, we elected to, to not bother. You know, we heard the complaints and the concerns, and so we moved our, our mining boundary back to the south uh, so that those trails could remain on, on Sire property. And for the remaining trails, we would, uh, we would offer a license so that the uh, trails uh, on, on other areas of Sire property could remain. Um, we also uh, gave back another five acres uh, up in, on the Piscini property where we doubled the setback that's required by the county from the northern end and then and brought in uh, the boundary on the eastern side also. So we, we, we gave back an, an, an additional 15 acres uh, of, of land that we wouldn't mine. This came up with the, uh, the current uh, pr project of 109 acres. So the number that, that the county has thrown around of 77 acres that they've yeah. talked about, where does that number come from and what does it represent? Well, that number is one that was um, derived by the staff in response to the planning commission directing them to come up and look at an option that was somewhere in between the 124, 126 acre um, proposed expansion. Um, or the, and then the 109 versus what was considered in the EIR to be the conservation uh, alternative, which allowed for almost no expansion into Bassini and really wasn't economically viable from Sire's perspective because right. there was no quid pro quo. They were giving up an old permit for a new permit, but they got no rock. Right. Especially and, the higher quality stuff that you were talking about before. And so staff went back to the drawing table and looked at really what uh, Sire had proposed as a reduction, which was taking 124 down to 109 by providing more setbacks from the Skyline Wilderness Park in response to comments received, and just simply decided to draw a line pretty much in the middle said look at it you know here's a rock existing rock wall that was considered to be uh, not a significant environmental impact in the original analysis but it seemed like a logical place for them to draw the line and the result is is that it doesn't really provide any additional mitigation 
but it really significantly reduces the amount of available high quality aggregate that we need um, as um, the main source of local aggregate here in Napa County to meet the community's needs. Mm-hmm. And so it was really staff's compromise based on the Planning Commission's direction. But that's really not an alternative that, that's acceptable at this point to Sire. Well, if you look at it, um, like I think, I think it's important to go back to the public policy consideration. The loser here isn't just Sire if they move forward with this. It's the community because our biggest client are public agencies. And if we do not have sufficient aggregate to produce the uh, asphalt, for example, needed to meet the $300 million of Measure T funding, then they're going to have to go outside of um, the Sire quarry in Napa here and find that elsewhere, which means increased costs, loss of sales tax revenue, um, more vehicle miles traveled, uh, increased traffic on our local roads in South County. So it's really a lose-lose-lose situation where, for everyone. If, if, if Sire wasn't able to provide the material needed, where would it have to come from? It would for sen- use in, in, in the Napa area? It would essentially come from our Lake Herman quarry down between Vallejo and Benicia. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, Sire would, would, would still be able to sell the rock, but the community, is, as Tom mentions, it would be losing right. you know, because of all the environmental issues and, every, and traffic and everything else. And the sales tax would be going to Solano County, I Correct. assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then if uh, the Napa quarry runs out of um, aggregate, um, this Napa is where the head company headquarters is. Uh, you know, you'd have, Sire would have to ask itself, why would, does it make sense to have a headquarters at a quarry that's no longer functional? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long does the current quarry have to be productive? We feel under this permit, uh, Jeff, with the uh, uh, the rock that's available on the Ficini property, as, as Tom was mentioning, if, if when getting that rock and using that specifically for the uh, uh, concrete and, and uh, asphalt operations, and the rest of the quarry being used for the base rock and riprap and things like that, we, f- we feel that we're ha- we have sufficient rock to meet the needs of this 35-year permit. Uh, after that, we'd have to, you know, do further investigation at, at, f- at further depth and have to mitigate for any impacts that might be caused by that. But for this 35-year permit, uh, we, f- we feel that there's sufficient rock under, uh, under what we're o- applying for. And then I think um, to go to the question related to what are the, what's the current amount of aggregate available under the existing or permit? Existing, right. Um, I've talked to John about this, and, you know, they've done some estimates. And for the high-quality aggregate um, that is made from basalt rock, and, John, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but there's approximately 900,000 tons. Yes. Which uh, might last a year or more, two years possibly. It depends on the market. Mm -hmm. Um, No more than three years probably. And then uh, there's quite a bit more of the actual lower quality uh, rhyolite rock that is used for some construction applications like riprap and for decorative rock. That might last another five years. Mm-hmm. So let's say on the outside, five more years worth of um, mm-hmm. rock availability in the existing permit without getting overly aggressive and in mining into the uh, groundwater mm-hmm. table. Talk a little bit about the environmental aspects of this, John, and some of the issues that have been raised in these various public hearings, concern about health and safety and and silica that's coming out of there and lung damage and so many things that that we've heard in all of these uh, 10 public hearings. 
to be honest with you, at the last public hearing that was held, the consultants that did the air quality analysis uh, came out and said that silica dust is not a problem. Uh, there is silica um, uh, material in everything that surrounds us. But in this deposit here, there's very, very minimal amount of silica and, again, silica dust. We, uh, they have done tests themselves uh, for the uh, environmental impact report, as well as our, our employees uh, uh, required by, and this is required by the federal mine safety uh, people, um, which govern our, our safety operations. They put personal monitors on our, our employees periodically during the year to, to monitor how much, uh, you know, what, what they're actually breathing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have found very, very, very minimal amounts of silica dust and to the point where uh, in, in most cases, unless they're in a real dusty atmosphere, they, uh, with, if, if they're within a, uh, the cab of a piece of equipment, they don't, don't even have to wear respirators. But if they're on the outside, sometimes you do, but not for silica dust, for just the dust in general. Have there been any medical issues, clusters of medical problems that have come up over the 30 years of the operation? That's simple. No, <laughs> <laughs> not that we've ever found. Um, there's there are uh, crew members out there that have been working there since Sire bought the property, mm -hmm. and um, there has never been any increase in lung cancer, asthma. And one of the interesting things is is that um, we talked about the old permit versus the mm -hmm. new permit and some of the benefits of the new permit. And one of them is is that we would have a much more aggressive fugitive dust plan mitigation plan, which um, right now Sire is doing a lot to control dust, and they've never had a violation from the Bay Area Air Quality Management District, which monitors these things. But the new environmental process and mitigation measures um, have, you know, would actually potentially reduce the current level of dust from where it is today, with even, you know, 1.3 million, 2 million in additional production. So it's pretty aggressive. So you really get a lot uh, in exchange for the expansion area um, as far as mitigation measures and oversight by the county, et cetera. And um, like I said, that's part of what was bargained for and um, Sire needs the rock in order to agree to the permit conditions. Jennifer, how many people are working out there? How many jobs are involved here? And how many jobs are impacted by this discussion about expanding the quarry? Well, you know, um, one thing brought up in our EIR, it talked about with this expansion will increase jobs 10, 20 for another shift. Um, but that's really not the whole story. Like, like Tom mentioned, the main offices here um, for Sire Industries, they're not going to stay if there's no quarry here. Um, so really you're looking at 150 people, many of which live here in Napa County. That's right. And um, so, essentially, everybody would have to go somewhere else. <laughs> so. and these are these are good jobs, you oh, know. Yeah. We've we've um, time and time again we've had labor representatives um, stand up and talk about the you know multiple generations of uh, family members who have uh, made careers with Sire. Um, it's not unusual for Sire to have um, many employees with you know over twenty years at Sire. Um, they're a good employer. Uh, they value their employees and they treat them right. And these are well-paying, um, middle-class jobs that um, it's hard to find in these these mm -hmm. times. How many employees are there out there now between the corporate offices and, and the quarry? 
About 150. Mm-hmm. It, it fluctuates depending upon the time of year, but generally speaking, it's about 150. Mm-hmm. What is the next step as you see it in this, Tom? I mean, obviously, we, we talked about the next public hearing. What, what do you expect to see happen here? Well, um, like I said, it's been an exhaustive process, and uh, the public, com- the official legal public comment periods closed uh, for on the draft EIR almost two years ago. Um, but the county continues to accommodate additional public comment on the final EIR, which is the response to the original comments received. Um, and that process has gone on um, through a couple um, different cycles, and so. Right now, the county w- is planning on holding the hearing on the October 21st in order to address briefly the uh, concerns raised in the last meeting. Because every time we have a public hearing, we get another stack of comments. And so they've reviewed those with their expert consultants, and um, it's our understanding that they have concluded that there are no new unevalu- unevaluated issues or impacts that have not been adequately mitigated by the environmental impact report and its mitigation measures. And so we're hopeful that the county is going to be in a position to certify the final EIR as being complete. So saying that they feel as though it is adequate and has addressed all environmental issues. And at that time, after the final EIR has been certified, they will be in a position to direct staff to go ahead and prepare the legal findings necessary to uh, take action on whatever version of the project they indicate they're willing to approve, whether that be um, Sire's proposed 109-acre expansion, which we are advocating for based on what we've talked about here, the community's need for high-quality aggregate, um, or possibly the alternative to that, which would be the hybrid alternative. Mm -hmm. Um, And and ultimately, that will then go before the Board of Supervisors. Well, um, I so the Planning Commission decision is final unless appealed. So after the decision, uh, the final decision, which probably wouldn't occur for a month after the October 21st meeting, uh, because they need time to prepare right. the findings, um, the uh, any member of the public who could show some cause could appeal the decision of the Planning Commission within 10 days to the Board of Supervisors. And, yes, that would trigger... Well, it's fair to say one side or the other is going to appeal whatever the planning... I mean, we can stipulate to that, I think. It's the one thing I think we everybody can agree I think on. I could... Yeah, I think it's likely. <laughs> and and how long... I mean, really, what I, what I was getting at with that also is, is how long you anticipate that part of the process taking and really, you know, how much longer is SIA prepared to continue to, to deal with this process? Well, we would be hopeful that, you know, the way the timing's set up is that we're lining up to um, have a potential appeal kind of period being right in the middle of the the holidays. Mm -hmm. And so it's likely that we would uh, maybe see uh, this in front of the board in um, probably sometime maybe after the new year would be my Mm -hmm. guess. I don't know if any of you can can address this or if this is part of the, the public discussion. But this process, as it has gone on since 2008, essentially, is, as you've all talked about, with all the, the, the environmental documents and all the, the, the various public hearings and everything else, what has this cost to bring it to this point? Too much. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I, do, I don't, uh, Jeff, I don't think that uh, we have a, a total tally on it, but when you consider all of the consultants that have been involved, the environmental consultants that paying for the, the county staff time uh, and everything else, it's probably in the millions. Talk a little bit about operating, What, assuming this goes through it's in some version, operating under this new permit, in this new framework, and, and what that's going to be like, and what will it really change? And I think that's a good place to sort of bring this, this to a close. Well, as I mentioned before, our operation won't be changing, but our job descriptions will be changing, and there is an enormous amount of work that we will have to do to stay in compliance with this new permit. Um, we have to do an annual mining report. We have This includes biological assessments, groundwater assessments, you name it, I could you go on and on and on. Um, and then, you know, not only that, we have other requirements that are beyond the county. We have state requirements of, and it, it, it's it's a full time job for multiple people. So, and I think one of the the takeaways is is that with the new permit, you not only have a lot of reporting, some of which includes some data that was already being collected for other yeah. state agencies right. and compiled into these annual reports. But you also have the ability uh, of the county to, um, on a f every five years, to hold a, uh, a public hearing in front of the planning commission, at which time the public can come forward and hear the staff um, discuss the findings of the annual monitoring reports, SIRE's compliance with the different mitigation measures and conditions of approval, and um, provide testimony to the county about issues that they have. And at that time, the conditions or the mitigation measures could be modified by the county to address the public's concerns. And that would be every five years. That's something that um, just currently is unprecedented, really, mm -hmm. in the county. Jeff, and there's, there's one other thing, too, that a positive aspect of getting uh, a permit like this, not only the, the additional tonnage and things of that nature, but uh, not many people know that SIRE is the largest recycler of concrete and a asphalt uh, in, in the county and in, in a major area around here. Uh, they, they bring in con concrete and asphalt from different construction projects or demolition projects. They crush it, they screen it, they put it in, make it into a product that can be used by uh, Caltrans and the county uh, for sub-base and other, other products. Also, along with that, the asphalt that uh, is recycled can be ground up uh, on either on the road or in the uh, uh, in the in gr crushed in the quarry, and uh, as a part of this permit, we're going to be allowed to uh, recycle that material by putting it back into the asphalt that's manufactured at our our, our, our facility. Uh, right now, I think we can uh, we can input about 20 percent of the rock uh, would be uh, from recycled sources, which means we're not using the virgin rock that's quarried out of the out of the hillside, we're actually, you know, using recycled material. Uh, you know, uh, also, as a uh, you know, sire is now uh, tied in with the Marin Clean Air Energy, uh, which uh, allows us to buy our energy from from this group, and that uh, and they 100% of that energy is uh, from renewable sources. Uh, so th there's some advantages that have been occurring through this process and as a result of this process. Is this finally a process that is going on with quarries and, and companies that do the things that Sire does 
throughout throughout the country, certainly throughout the state of California? I'm not sure, Jennifer, you might know, but as far as the country, I'm, I'm not sure, but within California, yes, this is the, the, this is the new way of doing these things. Yeah, to the, to the point where, you know, like someone mentioned, you know, we're not going to win a beauty contest being a quarry. <laughs> um, but all around California, especially, quarries are having a hard time getting permits. And what's happening is all the material, uh, lots of materials being shipped down from Canada. Um, our neighbor, Sonoma County, is a net importer of Canadian rock because of not having enough rock, basically, um, from their own quarries. And um, the greenhouse gas, there's so many envir environmental impacts because of that, but it's a very good, uh, Sonoma County is a very good example of what happens when you don't have a local source of aggregate. Well, I thank the three of you for coming in here today. John Perry, Tom Adams, Jennifer Gomez, Sire Industries, thank you so much for being here on the program. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Thanks for inviting us. You're listening to NapperBroadcasting.com.